0: Good morning everyone. We are well? Yeah, England in a World Cup final. Must be a good day, eh? Good stuff. Let's, uh, let's pray. Jesus Christ, we thank you for your presence with us now. We thank you that you lived on this earth and showed us the way to live. We pray now the words and the message we get this morning will be your message to us to enable us to live a life that is truly in your spirit. Amen. Well, that was a quiet amen. Let's try that again, shall we? Amen? Amen. Oh, that's better. Good stuff. Hopefully hopefully we want to live in the spirit. Um, Speaking of which, this is a quick confession just before we start. Um, This is not like the David Burton guy to live in the spirit. Unfortunately, I haven't got this nailed. Uh, I'm not ordained. I'm not some really impressive person. Uh, I'm just trying to do my best. So uh, if you spot a flaw, which you probably will, uh, that's all mine. Um, And also, apologies, last time, I wasn't feeling so great last time I spoke. Hopefully, uh, um, I feel a lot better today. Good stuff. Right. Well, this is a great passage. And just before I preached at the first service, uh, Fred, who was sat next to me, said, wow, what a powerful passage. Um, Or as Kate put it, what a big chunk. Um, So yes, it is powerful. And I immediately thought when Fred said that, oh goodness, let's hope I do justice to it. And straight away I had a little voice in my head said, yeah, but it's not you doing justice to it, is it? And I thought, ah, good point. So let's make sure, let's hope, well, let's know we're going to hear from God today rather than me. Okay, so first of all, what is all this passage about? Um, Well, Jesus is causing quite a stir. The commentators I've read... And again, another confession, Uh, I wasn't an expert on this passage at all about 10 days ago, done a lot of reading, and thankfully my wife does a load of reading, so she's passed all the stuff she's learned to me, and I go, cool, that's good, I'll say that out loud on Sunday. So uh, that's essentially what I'm doing. Um, So this was the last feast, the Feast of the Tabernacles. Hands up everyone who's an expert on the Feast of Tabernacles. That's all right. Oh yeah, fantastic. So, um, yeah, the Feast of Tabernacles, at this point, all the people there were expecting the prophecy of Ezekiel 47 to be fulfilled, okay? And if you haven't read the prophecy of Ezekiel 47, please do read it. That's another big chunk, okay? But please substitute the word water for Holy Spirit, okay? Because that's a prophecy of the Holy Spirit coming and absolutely um, making a huge, huge difference. So Jesus is talking here about the transformation of the Holy Spirit. What can happen with the Holy Spirit? And the good news, of course, is that it's available to everyone. Jesus says very clearly, whoever believes, let him who is thirsty come to me and drink. Now, I don't know if you've been watching Wimbledon the last couple of weeks, but I'm sure we've all seen a few games when the players have been running around, smashing the ball and everything, and they sit down. And first of all, they take a big breath. Then, of course, the next thing they do is take a big drink and gulp loads and loads of water. They are thirsty. They're absolutely gasping for a good drink. So who today is gasping for a really good dose of the Spirit? Because, of course, we need the Spirit to be flowed into us all the time. So it can then flow out. And we've just been singing about people working really hard. Well, there's some people here that didn't take a rest yesterday. Hetty, for example, was at Sunfest yesterday for I don't know how many hours. She was there for a long, long time, and here she is this morning singing again. And just yesterday, 300 yards from where we are sat now, last night, dozens and dozens of people gave their life to Christ at Sunfest. Now, you might think, "Goodness me. That's quite a, a powerful idea of someone to think, let's create a free music festival in Southport in the summer, hoping the sun's going to shine, preaching God's word, and let's see what happens. Well, it's been going on for, I think, about nine years now, So certainly, certainly a long time. And when it first started, it was smaller, but it's grown and grown and grown and grown. And grown. So this year, it went from 11 in the morning to what, it was about eight in the evening. It was, it was a long, long time. It was a really good time. But people were there for 14 hours some people yesterday and probably still recovering today because they were determined that the power of Christ be known to everyone in Southport. Now of course when you put those kind of events A you need people to support it and B you pray that it will have a great impact and we are now seeing that great impact. Loads and loads of hard work, day in, day out, throughout the year, is leading to people being saved for Christ, which is great news. So if you're thinking today, oh yeah, how can I live a life which is um, having miracles happen? That's a miracle. Who would have said yesterday that dozens of people would have given their life to Christ in Southport? We hope for it, we pray for it, we want it. But let's not sit around and think, oh, it's not happening. It is. You ask those people today and they'll say, yeah, that is my experience of Christ. But these people in this passage were expecting something a little bit different. And there was Jesus coming and literally blew them away. The commentators say it was 24 words in Greek that he spoke. But those 24 words absolutely shot them to pieces. He broke every rule in the book. Every rule in the book. I, I love the start of the passage when it says he went until halfway through before he even spoke. He just let everyone else have a bit of a waffle first. Yeah, you do whatever. I'll come in with a real crux of the matter. And that's exactly what he did. He wanted to make sure that people got his message loud and clear. In fact, he broke more rules. Later in the passage, it says, Jesus stood. We well, might think, well, so what? The custom at that time was to sit down when you're teaching. He stood and said in a loud voice. Both of those were breaking all the rules. So people were thinking back then, goodness me, is, is this man mad? Is he demon-possessed? Literally, it says that, doesn't it? Or... Is he the Messiah? To be honest with you, I bet people still have the same questions about the church today. Are we all a bit confused? Are we all a bit weird? Yeah, probably some of us, a bit weird. I include myself in that, willingly. Or do we have the truth in ourselves? We know we do. But the important thing we've got to do is help other people to realise that as well. So, how does Jesus do that? Because that's what we want to learn for. Well, first of all... um, Let's, let's look at what, what, what he said. And I think there's two particularly key verses that I, that, that I really want to focus on. The first one is verse 21. It, said that, it says this to them. Jesus said to them, I did one miracle. Now, this could be the first time in history a man has downplayed a miracle, isn't it? Goodness me, I know if I was anywhere near a miracle, I'd talk about it for months and months, probably years and years. But he just, I did one miracle, and you are all astonished. Miracles are just Jesus' way of working. We know that. But that was astonishing to them. And then verse 37. The, the key, really, to the whole passage. So this was the last and greatest day of the feast, when, as I say, the people were expecting the prophecy of Ezekiel to come true. Jesus tells them very clearly, no, the prophecy is not going to come true in a place. It's coming true in people. It's not the location that matters. It's the heart that matters. And this is when he says, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. What could be simpler? What could be simpler? If anyone needs, let him come and get. Ask and you will receive. Knock and the door will be open to you. Now that sounds so simple. Maybe because it's so simple, it can make it so difficult for us always to follow. But then verse 38... Because whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within them. You see, Jesus' message is very clear. The Holy Spirit is available to everyone, but then it flows from you to others. I've looked up a very posh Greek word, which was, I think, pronounced koilia, which basically means this message is coming from the pit of Jesus' stomach, the very essence of him, the very centre of his being, to us. He wants to make sure this message is clear. And the people there, some of them don't want to hear it. They're saying, who is this person? How dare he come from Galilee? Who, Who is this strange messiah? Is he a messiah? Is he demon possessed? He was really, really upsetting the apple cart. So, what does this mean to us today? How can we use this message and think, okay. What, what can we do about this? Well, when I first got the topic of doing flow, one thing came to mind. It's an advert from many, many, many years ago, which you will see, hopefully, it works on, on the screen. Uh, this was the first thing that came to mind, not very spiritual, it's what came to mind. It is straight, square, curved, circular, the precise shape of every moving part it clings to, lubricating, cooling, and protecting. Oil is too small a word for it. It is Castrol GTX Liquid Engineering. Fit it in your engine. Now, you were pleased to know other oils are available. (laughs) And there's no advert for that. But that lovely, reassuring sense that oil is constantly moving. Of course, that's what we want from a car, isn't it? We start it and it goes. And I remember when that came out, our family car often didn't start and certainly didn't go. We actually didn't bother leaving the front door until the car had started. It wasn't worth getting the car to go to school unless the car definitely started. But, but that sense of that oil just being lubricating, cooling, enabling things to work. And I love the pace of that. People know me know I like going quite quickly. But that was just a sheer, inexorable, clear movement. It wasn't stopping. wasn't going fast. It wasn't going slow. It was just moving. It was continuous. Always available. Always useful. Always helpful. And that's what the Holy Spirit can be for us. The purse of the Holy Spirit. And that's what Jesus is saying. It's available to everyone. You don't have to buy it for a fiver and a can. You can get it for free. All we have to do is ask. And it comes. Really, the only question we have to ask is how much we want. And the reason I showed that is because I think some of us can be sometimes a little bit scared, thinking, oh, the Holy Spirit can just almost take over and leave us completely powerless and overwhelmed. Well, maybe we don't have to worry about its, um, the amount of it, but more what we do with it. So hopefully, after this series of quite a few sermons now on the Holy Spirit, you've got a bit of a plan in your own head about the Holy Spirit. You're better informed about it. As I said at the start, this is not my guide to living in in the Holy Spirit. Maybe all of us have a slightly different experience of it. So how can we live a life that is in tune? I'm sure over the last few weeks we've all remembered the individual one-word sermon titles. So let's have a quick test, shall we? Who can give us a one-word sermon title from one of the titles we've had in the last few weeks? Paul Gearing's smiling. Paul Gearing always knows. Go on, Paul, you can give us one. Move, very okay. What, me, yeah. <laughs> Anyone else? Move was definitely one. Wait, Wait very good. That was the vicar's one. Very good. Glad someone remembered that, Steve. Yeah. Anything else? Seek, Seek very good. Was that your one, Hedsey? Oh, that was yeah. <laughs> very good. Release, lift. Yeah, lift was, was the worship one, wasn't it? And there were probably a few more. Um, but of course, what we need to do is not just think, okay, well, those sermons have kind of happened. We heard them, we listened. Did we do anything with them? Maybe we did, maybe we didn't. Maybe we need to go back and think, Yeah, how can I use the sermon series to get better at living in the Holy Spirit? And, crucially then, allowing the Holy Spirit to flow back out of us from, as Jesus said, from within us. Flow right from the start. So how can we live? Well, of course, there's lots of things we can do to help. And lots of the sermons we've had the last few weeks, hopefully we've given us some ideas about praying, about spending time waiting on God, being together as a group of people, listening to others, worshipping. All those things apart. And of course, it comes to what we do next, how we enable it to flow into us but also then, crucially, flow out of us. So how do you feel about that? Maybe receiving, great. And then Steve, next slide, please. How do we feel? The Holy Spirit. God's helper. God's power in us. That's how I feel a bit. A bit scared? Excited maybe? No, a bit more scared. But as I said at the start, maybe it's not so much about being overwhelmed by it, but more being empowered and thinking yeah, how much of this? How can I use what I learn? How can I use what I receive? So What do we do? We need to share it. God does not give us the Holy Spirit for us to kind of have a warm glow about ourselves, to be a bit like a ready-break child. That's not the point for us to think, oh yeah, I'm sorted, I'm all cosy. It's for us to share with others. Just to... uh, a tip, a bit of a spoiler at this. Any of you who watch Jamie Johnson with your kids, or who watch them with grandkids, uh, Jamie Johnson, the football program Kate skates not in this. There's, it's a football program all about a kid who's pretty good at football, surprisingly. But what happens is when he's playing a game, very occasionally, everything kind of gets electrified. His foot gets electrified, the ball gets electrified. And then what happens then, Kate? It scores a goal. Apart from once, when the keeper saved it. Which I was amazed at. But that's the Holy Spirit is a bit like that electrification. You know straight away is great going to happen. So if you're watching Jamie Johnson, you know pretty much a goal is going to be scored if you see the, the electrification. Well, okay. So that's our responsibility then, isn't it? If we have the Holy Spirit in us, dwelling in us, then how do we share that with other people? How do we use that? Well, um, I think it's really important for us to be natural with how we do that. And I was uh, doing some training for Summerfest a few weeks ago, and the pastor leading it was saying about caring for ourselves is natural. Trying to do something for other people can be supernatural, even if we don't get it right all the time. None of us are going to get it right all the time. But certainly doing nothing isn't helpful. So what can we do to help others to try and be supernatural, and not ourselves, but... Have the Holy Spirit help us to do that. When I was about 18, I volunteered uh, from my church in South End to help at the Notting Hill Carnival, which is a festival in London. I think it goes over about three days. And the training was a bit strange. Literally, they trained us to bang uh, dustbin lids together to make a kind of noise, and whoever was kind of um, attracted to that sound or noticed that sound, which is pretty hard to avoid, to rush up and go and spread, share the gospel with them. Well, I thought it was a bit strange, and most people who we tried to share gospel with thought that was a bit strange. Um, And it wasn't probably the most successful. However, what was successful was the last day of that festival. Myself and a friend were just sitting down outside the church, probably having a drink of water or a cup of tea or something, and this mum came along with with her daughter. And I just heard a little voice say, say hi. I thought, oh, okay. Probably the first time ever, I think I did it first time. So anyway, I said hi to this lady. I said, oh, hi, that's nice of you. I said, oh, would you like to come over and sit, have a, have a drink? I said, oh, I'd love to. Now, if you told me at that point that one word hi, would lead to that mother and her daughter going to that church for eight years, I'd have said, cool, that'd be a miracle. But that's what happened. We weren't doing anything special at all. She was just a lady who just needed a bit of a nice word, a bit of a welcome, a bit of a drink. We danced with her daughter. She just had a rest. She stayed with us for about two hours. Thankfully, no dustbin lids in sight. Just being normal, nice, kind. That's what we were doing. But actually, in that sense, we were sharing the gospel. I'm pleased to say the Holy Spirit was flowing out of us to that lady and her daughter. I can't even remember her name, to be honest, but that didn't matter. She was a lovely person. And I was talking about the amounts of spirit maybe we have inside ourselves, and the castor DGX, that lovely flow of oil, washing us and refreshing us, when I was um, at university, I was just about to do my finals, and I found them quite, quite difficult. They were hard work. And I remember one day, um, I was going to a, a church in, town, in, in the city, which is a bit like this one, quite a charismatic evangelical church. But I had a, a strange sense that I wanted to go to a church a bit like the church I grew up in, which was a Pentecostal church. So Jenny, who was my girlfriend at the time, we, I said to her, right, I want to go along to this church. And Jen said, all right then, never been there before. We'll see what happens. So anyway, we, we went along... Uh, The service happened, I can't remember a word that was said in the sermon, but at the end of the service they said, would anyone like to come up for prayer? And I had a real strong sense I should, Um, but as often with me, I ignored that for about five minutes, and eventually I did go up for prayer. Um, And what happened then was overwhelming. Not in a scary way, not in an uncontrollable way, but in a really lovely, peaceful way. I remember I just stood, put my arms out, and someone prayed for me, and I literally got drenched... In the spirit. Now, Jen came from a bit more of a conservative-type church background, and um, she tells me she pretty much left the building, or suddenly were in the back corner, thinking, what earth is happening to my boyfriend? Um, but, for me, it wasn't scary. It wasn't worried. It was just a clear sense that God was with me. He knew I was going through a tough time in my exams, and he wanted to have a clear sign that I was loved, I was blessed. And obviously, now I can tell the story 20 or so years later it made a big impression on me. Undoubtedly, that was a miracle. If you'd have said to me, those clothes you're going into church, you need to put, go and put straight in the washing machine afterwards. I'd say, yeah, right. Hopefully it's not going to be that bad. But that's exactly what happened. That's what happened. So you see, the Spirit is working in and amongst us all the time. But do we always recognise it? Thanks, Steve. Perfect time. Do we always see the things around us that are miracles? The things that are great, that are happening. This reminds me of a place where I was studying once, which loads and loads of trees, so you could see hardly any light under there. And to get a rainbow that close to a, 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 to a tree, when you think, you wouldn't think much water would get through the leaves, you wouldn't think much light would get through, but it's happened. Miracles are happening daily. Not just in the world, not just in our country, but in our town. Those dozens of people who gave their lives to Christ last night, We have their names. We know they are loved. We know they're part of our kingdom. So they have experienced that miracle in their own life. And of course, that's because the Spirit is free. It's available to us all. And it's for everyone. As Jesus said, anyone who is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. So, how much do you want? Do you want that? ...peaceful, lubricating, cooling, steady flow of oil... ...or maybe an overwhelming gush of water. I'm not sure really, it matters too much. The Holy Spirit so powerful, so loving, so available... ...the key thing is we're constantly getting topped up... ...so it's constantly going out. And I was thinking about the England cricket team playing cricket today. They'll play their game... They'll be all, you know, sweaty and a bit, um, dirty their clothes a bit. So they'll probably take the clothes home, if this still happens in professional sport, and wash them. But they'll never put that winning shirt, because obviously we're going to win. Never going to put that winning shirt away, are they, and forget about it. They'll bring that out many times. It's a bit like that with us, with the Holy Spirit, isn't it? If we're constantly getting topped up, continuously receiving the Spirit, and constantly trying to give it out. We want to be able to give out the Spirit so much that we want to be constantly topped up. You can't give unless you've received. But equally, you only want to free the space to receive by giving out all the time as well. And I was thinking about this, this picture, and if we are kind of walking towards a water full of spirit, often when we get prayed for, we put our hands out. So the first part that would get wet would be our fingertips. Then maybe our hands, maybe our arms, maybe our nose, front of our face. It doesn't matter how much almost we've got. It's what we do next. We want the spirit to come into us and to flow from within us, from our coilia, from our inner being. So, if you're someone who's sitting there now thinking, oh, can't wait for a cup in about 20 minutes, well, maybe you'll serve that cup to someone next week. Or if you're someone who thinks, oh, I love working with kids, they're good fun, keep, you, keep us all youthful. Or potentially, if you think, oh, kids can be a bit annoying sometimes, why is it that kids do that? Well, I can tell you now, there's been plenty of times when kids have said to me, Sir, why is it that adults do that? They don't understand us, we don't understand them. But actually, we're all God's creation. So if you want to serve, if you want to receive, we need to serve. I always think in a church, we, we, the welcomes are really important. But of course, welcome for each person can be different. How I like to be welcomed may be very different to how you like to be welcomed. Therefore, on the welcome team, we need all sorts of different types of welcomers, don't we? Sometimes people want, oh, just a quick good morning and lead me to it. Other people might want, I want someone to sit down and spend some time with me. That's fine. So we need both types. So we're a people that welcomes, but also goes to welcome others as well. And so finally, are you going to take those steps? Who will you serve? We don't want the Holy Spirit to be that ready-bred glow. We want to be what we're doing for the people. People are looking for kindness. People are looking for love. People are looking for time. But we know more than that. We want them to know Jesus. And we can be the bridge that brings the Holy Spirit to them. If we're topped up, if we're full, if we have that cooling, continuous stream ...of living water into us... ...then we can leak it out. We want to be leaky people... ...who give the Spirit to others. So... ...Jesus came to show us how to live. Not to judge or condemn... ...but to give chance... ...after chance. Don't we need those chances to ourselves? So it's our responsibility now... ...to both receive the Spirit and let it flow out of us willingly to everyone we meet. Amen.